Uh, I wanted to share a little bit with you today, but first I want to say thank you, church. You guys are awesome. You constantly bless me and Pastor Frank and in many ways. I know that many of you are praying for me, and without the life of this church, I'm not quite sure where I would be. So hats off to you. Thank you for loving me. And uh, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. What I want to share with you is fairly simple today. Um, In the first service, I said it was a short message, and when Mr. Paletti left, he said that was the longest short message you'd ever heard. Uh, So I'm going to keep it 45 minutes. That's what Daryl challenges me to do, so you'll be out of here by quarter after at least. You'll be late for dinner. No, I'm kidding. So, But what I wanted to share is um, a worldview of how we view the world and uh, what is a biblical worldview. Um, so a worldview is a particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. So a worldview is the way that human beings, you and I, look how we look at life and the way we perceive things around us. And everyone has a lens that they look at the world through. Um, and the way we look at the world makes all the difference in the world. Amen? It does. It surely does. And so it defines, it determines how we define reality. And as well as we, well, how we relate to others. Because that's what God has created us for, is to be in a relationship with Him and with other people. Correct? Are you tracking with me? You good? All right, good. So here's the thing. Everyone has a world view, even those little ones right there. They're perceiving things as they see them, as they watch them happen, as they hear things. They're getting ideas in their life of what the world is like around them. That's why it's so important to be here in church so that they can understand the correct world view to have. So you and I, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, we choose to have a biblical Worldview, correct? So, which means that what? We look at life through the lens of God's Word, okay? And so, we believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that this is inspired by God, okay? He told them exactly what to write, and we believe that there are no errors. It has, it's an error, no error in this God's Word, and we believe that it's infallible, right? So, church, Adults, I'm going to ask you the same thing. I just asked the children, okay, and I expect a nice, loud response from you. So, are you ready? What is this? What's in this Bible? And what does God's Word tell us? Are there any mistakes? Good. So, now that we are clear on that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we praise your name, Lord God. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for life, and we thank you for the privilege to be your disciple. Father, speak to us. Help us to be effective for the kingdom of God. And we ask all this in our Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, not everyone, this is a, this is a struggle probably for me, but also for many of you, but not everyone uh, you live around today has the same worldview as you do. Not everyone we live around has the same worldview as you do. You know, some have an opposing worldview. You know, some have a confused worldview because they attempt to mix the biblical worldview 
with the humanistic worldview. And then they wonder why everything's in chaos, wonder why everything's all in uproar and not going correctly. Because we've got that mix. For instance, yesterday, I'm sitting at home. I get done refereeing basketball. I go home. I'm sitting in the chair. And uh, my son walks in and he says, Dad, there's a guy laying in the road. I'm like, what? So I jump up. I run outside and I look down the street, which is one house over. And there's a man laying in the road. So I run down there. As I get closer, I can tell he's in a bind. He's passed out. He's overdosing. I mean, he's clutching drugs in his hand. He's got that hard, deep, shallow voice that, <gasps> you know, he's hardly breathing. It's a struggle. I don't think his worldview was the same as mine. But you know what he is? An image bearer of God. Struggling. Hopelessness in his life. Maybe because of his view. Because of the way he looks at life around him. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. But you know, not everyone's the same, are they? That's what makes the world go round. Correct? Alright, so I want us to think about a person's worldview is formed in many ways. And one of the ways is education. You know, education, um, what we're taught as truth, what we know to be right. We are products of what we read. We are products of what we watch on TV and what we subject our minds to. And, you know, the Bible is very clear. It tells us that we are to capture every thought, right? We're to capture every thought because Satan's attacking our mind. And he's telling us that you're a loser and that you're no good and that you're not worth anything. And because of the sin in your life, you're not worthy to be before God. But God says different. God says that you are worthy because Romans 3.23, what does it say? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so um, what we subject ourselves to is uh, our education. That is... uh, ways that we perceive the world. You know, I I don't know about you, but when my oldest son, 26, 5 now, when he moved off to college to go to the big city of Orlando, his worldview changed. (laughs) And, you know, it's changing back a little bit now, and, and I think his mom's getting a little, she was getting a little bit worried about it, but she knows he's changing back, but it changed when he went up there. Another thing that, the second thing that helps us form this is our religious beliefs. Um, what we have been taught as matters of faith. I shared with the first service, when I was growing up, my parents taught me that we'd have faith in George Washington. Not the old president, but the dollar bill. You know, that's what got us what we need, is the dollar bill. And... It's incorrect. Our faith should be in Christ. Um, but that's why we're here, right? We're, we're to hear uh, to, to learn about uh, Christ. And the third thing is our emotions. Now, this is, I believe, a, a big struggle for all people. How, how they feel about a matter can be so strong that outweighs any logic or truth. You know, emotions are good. You know, fear, sadness, anger, all the emotions that we experience are healthy. We're, 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 we're supposed to go through them.
but they're not to define who we are. We're not to make rash decisions off of emotions. You know, God gave us a brain. And, you know, I know mine's not as effective as some of yours. But, you know, he gave us a brain to react with. You know, because if we always reacted with our emotions, we'd be an emotional wreck, right? But that forms us. That's what uh, helps us. So the fourth thing is our culture and the the civilization that we live in. Uh, the society that we're in, our value system, the customs that we grew up knowing, the arts that we like, the heritage and all the traditions that come with it. You know, how, I, how you and I look at the world is largely shaped by the culture around us. And the culture around us is largely shaped by the worldview that is accepted by the majority of those that we live with. So, culture around us is made up of the sum of everything that's out there, okay? And so, it's, it's not neutral. The danger is that we become so attached and so have this feeling of love for our, the culture around us that it be, we become, like, captive to it. You know, that's just who I am. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, that's just me. You know, that's just who I am. You'll just have to deal with it. Well, the one thing I like to ask people, I'm like, are you okay with that? You know, because a lot of times they're not. But they want you to be okay with it. And, 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 and it brings a struggle in life. And so we begin to question the absolutes of God when we, when we follow this way. You know, when we become captive to the things around us. And so I wanted to share some scripture with you. It's out of the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul wrote to this church in Athens. And so this church, like Israel is here, the Mediterranean Sea is here, Athens is over here between Italy and, I mean, it's a long ways Paul went to travel. And he stood among the men, and he stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observed, I observed that you are very religious in all aspects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription. To an unknown God. These people worshipped the sun God, the moon God, the fertility God. I mean, every God. And then they even had one to the unknown God, just in case we forgot. Therefore, what you worship is what? Ignorance. This I tell you, this I proclaim to you. He said, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he, made, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation and that you, I'm sorry, and they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him or find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and exist as even excuse me as even some of you some of your poets have said for we also are his children being then the children of god we ought to not we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone an image formed by the formed by the art and thought of man Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, which means you just didn't know. Ignorance just means you didn't know. 
Okay, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, Christ, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. How important a message that these men in Athens heard this. So when Paul spoke this sermon, he delivered it to a humanistic society. I mean, he did not even remotely question their worldview. He knew he was in a pagan place. But he didn't question it. He didn't question their worldview. He was so confident in his belief system, in his faith, that he took his biblical worldview and engaged a pagan society that was very sincere about what they believed. I mean, have you met someone that was so sincere about what they believed there was nothing that you could alter them? I mean, nothing that you said could change them or give them any idea of right or wrong? Or whatever the case may be. Um, he, he didn't back down. He boldly proclaimed his God as true. And what did he proclaim about their gods? False. And he, and he told them, you're just ignorant. You didn't know. It's, it's, an un, it's okay. Sometimes it's okay if we don't know, right? Five things. Five important components of a biblical worldview. And that's what we as Christians want to do. Have a biblical worldview. We want to look through the eyes of Scripture. Okay? One, an absolute God exists. An absolute God exists. So, if God, if if an absolute God exists, then that means God is self-sufficient and lacks nothing. Self-sufficient and lacks nothing. God is, if God is self-sufficient, then he needs no external cause for his existence. God don't need you and I to make him God. He's just God. Nothing we can do makes him God. He is just God. Okay? So, this would mean that he is eternal. And if he is eternal, he does not change. God is the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be tomorrow. And you know what that is? Loving. Number two, God created the universe. Now this is really cool to me because I love the very beginning of uh, the Bible, the book of Genesis, because it just plainly says what it is, okay? And God created the universe, and so God created the universe. He must be pretty powerful, right? I mean, it absolutely takes a great deal of power to speak, and there's the sun. I mean, it takes a great deal of power to speak and there's the universe and our world spinning correctly, not too far away from the sun, but not too close. I mean, everything is exactly where God put it. Exactly where he wants it to be. You are here because God wants you here. I believe we bump into everyone for a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify God. But if God created the universe, he's all-powerful. God is separate from creation and not a part of the created order. Because if he's eternal, he's not created, okay? So, but God does reveal himself in creation. Haven't you seen him? Haven't you seen and looked at creation and wow? You know, I remember when my children were born, that was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Like, wow, God, you gave me and my wife the privilege to create people who are in your image, Wow, 
that was proof to me. And I wasn't following God when I witnessed that. But it was so obvious, there must be a God. There must be a God. He is creator of all things. But He reveals Himself to us. If He reveals Himself to us, uh, His creation is ordered, it's predictable and dependable. Okay? So, the third thing, the, Bib- the Bible is the Word of God. Correct? This is God's Word. You, 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 you said that earlier to me. And you said that it was uh, without error, without mistake. So, the Bible is God's Word for you and I, for mankind, and is completely accurate and including matters of life and its origin. That's why we say, what does God's Word tell us? Everything we need to know. I mean, that's not a joke. That's, that's truth. We look to it, and it tells us everything we need to know. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 tells us that um, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. We don't just become righteous. We do because of grace, because of God, but we're trained to be righteous. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail, but we keep going. We keep looking to God so that man, the man of God, may be adequate and equipped for every good work. If we're reading this, if we're studying this, we're equipped to fish for men. We are equipped to fish for men. And that's why Timothy... um, shares this verse with us. The Bible is inspired, inerrant word of God, and from the Bible we derive the truths by which we govern our lives. That's what makes us different from the world around us. Because we govern our lives through this biblical worldview. And a lot of times when people see my sin and they go, oh, I thought you was a preacher. I've been accused. Daryl Daryl started junior pro basketball like 450 years ago. And like 30 years ago, I was in junior pro basketball. And now I'm a big part of junior pro basketball because I love basketball. But more, I love the children. I was accused yesterday. I was told yesterday that I'm going to bust the gates of hell wide open because I'm cheating. Do I agree with her worldview? No. Is she still, is that person still in an image of God? Yes. Just saying. Um, God is great. Amen? And if God is great, uh, we can do great things. You know, it's from the Bible that we learn about God himself. His created order, the Trinity, the redemption, about sin. I mean, we all have that. Amen? We know what that's about. About salvation. About hope? Man, this is what God leads us to because He wants us to have hope. And what is morally correct? We're not always moral, but we're thriving to be more like Christ. That's our goal. When we sin, we brush ourselves off and we keep going. And as a church, we should help each other brush themselves off and keep going. That's what church is for. Okay. And the fourth thing, this is the number one thing. Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. And He lived, what, a sinless life? He died. He died for my sin? Now, that's hard for me to fathom a little bit. 
Because I can remember, I can remember what Preston did and how Preston acted and how Preston treated people. Some of you are here today. I'm ashamed. But you know what God did? He wiped that shame away. He wipes it away through Jesus Christ, through that burial, through that death. He rose again on the third day, amen? And, and that grave could not hold him. And 1 John 4, 9 and 10 tells us this. It says that God's love, by this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Okay? In this is love. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 says, Now I make known to you, brethren, Paul's talking to the people in Corinth, Now I make known to you, brethren, brothers, the gospel, the good news, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which also you stand, we stand in that, by which also you are saved, we've been saved in that, if you hold fast to the word which I have preached to you, unless you believe in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. You know, I had the privilege to go into Israel, and I walked in that tomb that they think might have been God, Christ. He wasn't there. He was gone. He wasn't there. He, raised, he was raised from the dead. And so the fifth thing that's important for a component of a biblical worldview, the fifth thing is God provides for his creation. Everyone say with me, God provides. One more time. Amen. It's, the, it's from the Bible that we learn of God's loving provision for us. And we know that God lets the sun and the rain fall on the good and the bad. And I, I say that because I personally believe that no people, no person is bad. Now, people make bad choices because I've done that before too. But God says that he made man and it was in his image. And you know what he said? He had talked about making all these things and he said it was very good. It was good, it was good, it was good. And when he made man, he said, it's very good. So there's no bad people. Let's get that straight. There's no bad people. There's only bad choices made. That's it. People are still in the image of God. And so it's very important that we understand that. I mean, we know that God allows the sun and the rain to fall on all sorts of people, right? Because our, field, our crops are watered, aren't they, Field? Yep. I mean, right now I know it's dry, but Field, being a farmer, he understands how God provides that. He, he grows the crops. He multiplies the cattle, okay? Um, we know that through, we know that though we live in this fallen world, there's nothing we can do about that. It is fallen. There's no, that's just it, okay? And... But God has pr- promised that he will never, what, leave or forsake us. Now, I know that there's probably been times in your life where you felt that God wasn't around because of what was happening. You know, because I was wondering that yesterday. 
When I saw this man laying on the ground, gasping for air, probably at the blink of death, where's God? He's still right there. You know, he, he, he pointed to my son's eyes to see the person laying there, and my son came to me, and then we called 911, and the paramedics came, and he was provided for. In the image of God, laying there in hopelessness. God knows that we live in this fallen world, but he's never going to forsake us. He's never going to leave us. So, therefore, what? We can rely on the provision that God has for us, and we should be like Paul and have confidence. We should have confidence that he will continue to provide for our needs, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation. So, a biblical worldview requires me to reject contrary Worldviews as false. This is what I know. Everything else is false. Okay? So, but it also enables me, it also enables us to love those who do not share the same beliefs for two basic reasons. We're to love those who do not share the same beliefs for two basic reasons. And before I tell you the two reasons, is, you know, the guy that was on the blink of death yesterday, overdosing from drugs. I mean, they started pulling out stuff out of his pockets. I had never seen kind of drugs before. You know, first thing I thought of is, well, what would you think if you did that stuff? <laughs> That's kind of the first thing that Satan planted in my mind. Well, what'd you expect? But then I was reminded of image bearer of God. Image bearer of God, hopeless drugged out of his mind, had puke on his face. Image of God. It's real, guys. You know, so these two basic reasons that enable us to love those who don't share. I don't think he shared the same beliefs that I do. I don't know that. Even though adherents of other religions reject the God of the Bible, they are nevertheless image bearers of God. Even though they reject God and say He's not real, you and I know what? Image bearers of God. Not bad. Good. Very good. Very important. So, for this reason, they are worthy of love and dignity. Just like the person said, I was going to bust the gates of hell wide open. I disagree. I really wanted to say, are you going to hold the gate for me? But I didn't. I didn't. I held my tongue, which I'm getting better at, Wayne. I held my tongue, and then I just started praying. Lord, give me another opportunity to share with them that I'm sorry if I offended them or if I've made any reason for them to think that this or that. And so I know God's going to place us back in each other's eyes again. And I pray that he softens both our hearts that she can hear the word of God. So, if they're different, if they have a different view, if they have a different perspective of what the world is around them, they are still image in the image of God, and they still are worthy of love and dignity. I can treat them respectfully by what? By listening to their position, by hearing what they have to say, and by having a conversation in love, not hate. Because too often that we see people that are different from us, all we want to do is just hate them. That's not Christ-like. 
That's not the biblical worldview that God teaches us to, to walk through. Um, my friend, not my friend, uh, a one that I like to read, Bob Goff, he says this, this is a quote from him. He says, we may love, we may, I'm sorry, the way we love people we disagree with is the best evidence of what we really believe. Let me read that once more. The way we love people we disagree with is the best evidence of what we really believe. So, despite our vast differences in how we view the world, Christ Christ calls us to love our neighbor. And you know, somebody might say, well, who's your neighbor? Everyone. Everyone's your neighbor. Not just the person living beside you, because some of you don't even know the person living beside you's name. But everyone's our neighbor. And so, despite this vast difference of, of, of the, the view that everyone has around us, we're to love our neighbor, we're to feed my enemies, I'm supposed to feed my enemies, I'm supposed to do good to those who hate me. That's why I held my tongue, Wayne. So I want to do good to those who may have disgruntled whatever toward me. To do good to those who hate me, to be gentle and correct those who oppose the truth of the gospel. We just can't say, this is the way it is, and you're stupid, and that's it. We've got to do it with love. Because that's the way you're going to get someone's attention. That's why I always believe, if I'm going to have the opportunity to share Christ with someone, the first thing I need to do is to meet their physical needs. Because if I meet their physical needs, then they're going to go, oh man, he must really care. And then I'm going to have an opportunity to tell them about who Christ is. Because if you read the Bible, every time Jesus was... Out there healing people, he met their physical needs most of the time first. And then he told them about the love of God. So the second thing, the second reason uh, the Christian worldview enables believers to have love, I'm sorry, to love others is because it teaches us that our ability to embrace Christ is not because we are morally or intellectually superior to them. And so that was easy for me, walking around, because I knew everyone was smarter than me. It was easy, you know. Um, But that doesn't give anyone over anyone else. In fact, the Bible teaches that Christians are Christians entirely because of anyone. We are Christians entirely because of grace. That's what makes us Christians, because of grace. Who needs grace? You should all raise your hands. That's right. We are Christians because God has called all people. Not all people respond. But it's all because of grace that we are called Christians. So when Christians are living constantly and consistently with a biblical worldview, we we will sense compassion and love for those who are different from us that want to pollute their lives and drugs and, and, and be hopeless. We, uh, we have compassion for them, maybe those that we disagree with, because we know it's only by grace is what makes us different. That's the only thing that makes us different, is grace. And that's the only thing that makes us Christians, is grace. And so the last thing, this is what I, I, I challenge you. I always, I always love to have a challenge when I get this privilege to speak. But my challenge to you today is start viewing Opposing worldviews as opportunities rather than enemies. Start viewing opposing worldviews as opportunities rather than 
enemies. Paul was such a great example of this. I mean, could you imagine walking into a place where they were multiplied? They were they had multiple gods that they were worshiping. I mean, even the one that we don't even know about. But here's a, here's an idol for him. I mean, Paul loved on them. He didn't go in there and just say, "You guys are so stupid." And da 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 da. He said, "I can see you're pretty religious, and I can see many of us are pretty religious. But are we following Christ? Are we following Him?" And, and that's what that's what Paul was explaining to them that there is a a God that gave everything for them, even grace. He did not fight Paul. He did not fight on the battlefield, but he fought on the mission field. He was wanting to bring people to this that he knew when he had that revelation on the way to Damascus. We know the story. He was blinded, and he heard from God. Jesus Christ said, why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, Lord. He recognized right away that it was the Lord. It was so cool. So, our current world is full of hate. I should get an amen. Our current world is full of hate and disagreement. Here's the thing. Disagreement is not the enemy. Disagreement is not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. The Bible tells us that Satan attacks our mind. And we get emotionally worked up or sad or mad. And then we just make unrealistic things. We just do things out of emotion. You know, our mind is pretty important, right? It makes my finger do this, makes my head itch. You know, we need to captive, cap, capture every thought because that's where Satan's going to attack us. So Satan's the enemy. It's not those around us that disagree with us. So Christians, we hold the line on biblical truth, not because we love opposition, but because we love people and want them to understand the gospel. So, the gospel has been shared with you this morning. We read scripture about who Christ is and what he has done. And so, maybe you've never said to yourself, I'm a sinner. And I need to be saved from my sin. Maybe you've never realized that God sent his son so that you could be saved from yourself. From your sin. Not from those around you. From yourself. Saved from your sin. And that's what's so cool is because God did that through Jesus Christ. He put him in a tomb. He's not there. He rose from the dead. Actually, Scripture tells us that he showed himself to over 500 people after he was resurrected. Over 500 people saw him eat, saw him drink, touched his body. Even Thomas, old Dalton Thomas, he says, wow, that was him. You know, so Christ is real, and, and he's for all people. And so if that's you, and you've never said it out loud, you've never proclaimed publicly, I, I challenge you to do that today. And if maybe you're a Christian, maybe you've been a Christian for as long as Daryl has, 450 years. And <laughs> I'm just picking on Daryl because I love him. But maybe that's you. Maybe you've just been a Christian your whole life, but you've been struggling with those people that are different from you. You struggle with the way they act and the way they talk and the way they do life and their worldview. God wants to use you to touch their life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to come up here and say, Lord God, pray right here at this altar and say, Lord, help me love on those who are not very lovable. Because I know, even myself, sometimes we're not very lovable. But they're image bearers, you know. So if that's you, as the band comes and they sing us, they they lead us in this last song, I just challenge you as a church to um, 
maybe maybe receive the grace of God today. If you've never done that, you've never said, I need grace, God, and I know that it's Christ that gives it. Uh, or maybe you just need to come up here and maybe what we call like a rededication, that you just lay it down and say, Lord, I, I do struggle with people who are opposing to what I believe. And I struggle with them. And Lord, it's hard for me to share the love with them because I maybe haven't really felt the love of you yet, God. And maybe if that's you, I pray that you come and you just ask him to help you in whatever area you're struggling in your life. Because I know there's no doubt in my mind that each and every one of us in here today struggle with something. Okay? So let's stand.